Good morning again, church. It is good to see everybody this morning. Everybody looks alive and well. Uh, looks like you're doing okay with the fast. You're here. Uh, this time next week will be about wrapping this thing up. So I just want to challenge us. Let's finish strong, right? When you run a race, you, you, you come around that last lap or that last corner, and you, you kick into the next gear, right? You give it everything that you have. And so I want to challenge us. Let's, let's finish strong. Amen. So uh, I'm excited for this morning. We're going to be picking up where we left off uh, last week as we normally do. So we're going to hit some recaps. But a couple weeks ago, we started this, this message titled Transformed. And so we are on part three this morning. And, and it's my hope and prayer that God has literally been transforming you, transforming us as we've been praying, fasting, and giving for the last 15 days. Today's 15, day 15 already. It comes and goes fast. The fast went fast. <laughs> so, but uh, this message has just tied so perfectly into what we're doing. Because it's when we pray and when we fast and when we give that he transforms us. When we're willing to, to, to invite him into those areas of our lives, maybe some of those dark corners in our hearts that we know are there but we act like they're not. And we give him permission to come in. And I begin to crucify my flesh, and I begin to, to chase them harder than I have before in a long time, and he begins to transform us. And so, I, and I also said a couple weeks back that the, the, the title of this message is Transformed, but the Holy Spirit shared with me that the goal of this message, the goal of this fast, is not transformation. It's intimacy with him. If you chase the transformation, you're going to lose sight of who he is. If you chase the intimacy with him, You'll be transformed. Amen. Anybody experiencing that? It's real. This transformation power is real. So let's go ahead and, and, and dive in and, and hit these recaps this morning before we get into the new part of our, our message, the new meat of our message. Look at your neighbor if you got one and just say, hey, he's transforming me. Amen. In Jesus' name, from glory to glory, right? So we said a couple weeks back, kicking this thing off, we said we need more than resolutions. We need transformation. The best version of you is Jesus in you. We need more than just good ideas. We need God ideas. We need more than just resolutions. We need fresh, something new that only he can give us. He wants to transform us. We talked about that word transform in the Greek, the metamorphos, uh, Tying back to the process of what a caterpillar goes through from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. Amen. And that same transformation process is what God wants to do for us. He wants to change us from a creepy crawly to something amazing that soars through the sky, literally changing our lives. And when God truly transforms us, we got to continue to press into him. And he wants to give us more because guess what? That butterfly can't go back to being a caterpillar. When God changes you, know that he's not done. There, there's more that he has in store for us. And, and, and we need him to transform us because the second part of that statement says, the best version of you is Jesus in you. And we need to be chasing Jesus, and we got to look more like Jesus every day. Every day we want to we look and talk uh, and even smell more like Jesus every day. Because the best version of me is more Jesus in me. The best version of your family is more Jesus in it. The best version of your workplace is more Jesus 
in it. And so that's exactly what God wants to do. He doesn't want to just clean us up and dust us off and pat us on our back on our way. He wants to do that for us. We started a brand new year. Some of us might have some, some, some big ideas, some big uh, good goals, some big dreams that God wants to restore and give those to us. That's why we fast this first part of the year because we're, we're giving the first fruits of the, onto the Lord, right? God, transform this in me so that I can transform the world for your glory. Let's look at John 3, 7. So we use this scripture. Really, there's our foundational scripture. Uh, and so, so Jesus says, so don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. We establish that God wants to transform us, but he can't transform you until you are born of his kingdom first. Transformation starts at salvation. There are some churches that may preach, when you're saved, that's it. You got your fire insurance. <laughs> we ain't going to teach and preach that here at Liberty Church. When you get saved, you got to walk your salvation out. Uh, and that transformation starts at salvation. And it's a process. That caterpillar doesn't just instantaneously become a butterfly, right? There's a cocoon process. Process under pressure. You can't get diamonds unless it's under pressure. It's coal first, right? So God wants to draw that stuff out of us. That's how he, he transforms us. Uh, so let's look at that next point. So we established that God transforms us really in three uh, key ways. Now, he transforms us in more than just these three things that we're giving you. It's, he does it in all sorts of ways. But we really just kind of pin down and nail down that these three things are vital for your cultivation of relationship for him to grow stronger and better and for him to transform you. I guarantee you, if you routinely, daily do these three things, you'll be transformed. Okay? So we said that uh, we're transformed in the image and likeness of Jesus through the revelation of Christ. Jesus just said you can't uh, see the kingdom until you're, you're born again, so we have to accept him. The renewing of our minds and the crucifixion, crucifying of our flesh. And so really the first week, week one, we kicked this off. We really hung out there at the thought of the revelation of who Jesus is. I can't become part of a kingdom uh, uh, of the kingdom of heaven until I know who the king of heaven is. <laughs> I better know the king of the kingdom that I'm from, right? And so we have to constantly revisit the revelation of who Jesus is in my life. And actually, Jesus changes in, in, in all sorts of types of seasons and situations that I'm in in my life. He's the same, but he has a, he has a great uh, a knack of meeting me right where I'm at. And so I need that fresh revelation of who Jesus is in my life uh, in this season of life, where am I really God? So when we do that, we're transformed. Last week, we talked about um, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, and, and we really kind of put a twist on that, that. When Jesus said, the first thing that he preached as he came out of the desert was, was the message that you need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and part of renewing our minds, repent literally means to renew your mind. And so when we renew our minds, when we repent, he changes us. He transforms us. And the other side of repentance is going to God, confessing my shortcomings, confessing my sin, confessing the things that I, I've dropped and messed up, confessing that I need you more in my life. And when I do that, I, I, I come in agreement with him, agreement with his word and who, who I am, that he says that I am, and, and now I can walk with him. 
And so we have to constantly be doing that, renewing our minds. And the third part of this statement is the crucifying of our flesh. And this is where we're going to hang out today. Somebody say, woohoo. And I said, uh, last couple weeks that I feel like as a church, as Christians, as believers, as children of God, we do the first two things. Pretty good. We, re- 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 we revisit who Jesus is in our lives on a daily basis, a regular basis. And we renew our minds by washing our minds with his word. The thing that we don't do is the crucifying of our flesh. And we don't want to do that because it hurts. And you allow King Jesus to sit on the throne of your heart and you're reminded and you remember, you know what? Ian's not in charge. You may think he is, but when I crucify my flesh, I tell myself, I tell my heart, I tell my mind, I tell my spirit, it's King Jesus that's in charge. So that's where we're going to hang out today. Let's look at that um, Romans 12 too before we get into our first new point. just want to back up that last point. So we use this scripture and we said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you, there it is, into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn and know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Does anybody want to know God's will for your life? I wish I could stand up here and tell you, I know God's will for your life. I can't do that, but through this scripture, you can. If you allow him to transform you and make you new. And chase him and, and read his word. He will reveal his perfect, acceptable, pleasing will for your life. He'll give you, he'll give you guidance. He'll give you direction. Amen. And, and, and I just want to say the world wants to conform you. Conformed is not transformed. God doesn't want you to fit in. He wants you to stand out. The world wants to. Uh, uh, categorize you and put you in cliques and put you in groups and say you're this way and you look this way and you don't have enough money so you're going to be this way. God wants to transform you. The world wants to conform you. Amen. So when we allow him to transform us, he reveals those deep secrets, those deep treasures in heaven over our lives. Amen. Let's look at that next point. Our first new point for today. And I've kind of already really said this and established this. But, so we're transformed in the image and likeness of Jesus through the crucifixion or crucifying of our flesh. When I tell my flesh uh, that I'm going to fast for the next 21 days, I'm not going to give it meat or give it sweets or give it uh, other things or fruits or whatever it is I'm fasting for, my flesh cringes and it's crucified and nailed to the cross. And I just want to reiterate this point. That we, we don't fast and we don't pray and we don't crucify our flesh for God. There's nothing you can do for God that's going to make him love you anymore or make you lo- or love you any less. This perfect sacrifice was already made. So I hope you didn't just spend the last 15 days uh, sacrificing and crucifying your flesh to say, God, look at me. Look what I can do for you. Because we've all fallen short. And nothing I can do can redeem myself. I'm redeemed through Jesus. So we fast with God. I fast with you, God, with Jesus. And we got a lot of scriptures for you this morning. And the scripture is going to confirm what I've just said. So, uh, and it's amazing that the scripture has a lot to say about crucifying your flesh. 
I think probably because God had a lot to say by crucifying his son on the cross for you and for me. If he's going to crucify his son on the cross, yes, I'm Savior and by him, but it also means if I've done this to my son, it's going to be required of you. Amen? So we don't fast for God, we fast with God. Y'all, we're already accepted. Why are you trying to prove your acceptance? You don't fast to prove your acceptance. You're already accepted. We fast with him. Let's look at Galatians 2.20. What does it say there? It says, I have been crucified with Christ. Not for Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because Jesus did this for me, I'm doing this with him. God, transform me from glory to glory so that I can be alive, made alive in Christ with you. Let's look at Romans 6, 6 through 13. It says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified, there it is again, with Christ. So that sin might lose its power over our lives. We were no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free. Someone say set free. Set free. From the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know uh, we, we will also live with him. Amen. That's a pretty powerful statement. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, when I crucify my flesh with Christ, we're set free from the power of sin. Do you know that, that Jesus, God, can't resurrect something if you haven't put it to death? Y'all ain't hear me over here. Jesus can't resurrect something in your life if it hasn't been put to death yet. So if you keep breathing that thing life and keep feeding that little thought and keep doing this and doing that, allowing that thing, that sin to, to cultivate and live in your life, if you don't put it to death first, Jesus can't bring it back to life. He can't bring spiritual death and make that life until you surrender that thing to him. And that's exactly what the picture of, of crucifying our flesh looks like. We let go so God can put his hands on. We crucify our flesh with him. And it's that revelation of Christ, of what, what he is and what he embodies and what he means in my life that gives me the power to now choose. You hear me share this a lot before I was ever some crazy campus pastor about eight years ago. I was almost dead. I was so addicted to alcohol. Uh, I, the, the, the sin of the, the, the addiction to alcohol had, had ruined my life that I, I literally didn't have a choice anymore. I had to wake up, and the first thing I do was take a drink just to, 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 to get by. I no longer had the choice to choose because sin had grown that much in my life. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. But when God, when I, when, when I hit my knees and I, I moved to Arab, Alabama and got plugged in the Sunshine House, the Liberty Church. And I surrendered that thing. It was hard. You want to talk about crucifying your flesh? Anybody who's been through addiction knows. But as he began to transform me, now I have the power to choose. 
And I can stand up here and boldly testify. I don't even struggle with thinking about drinking. Because when, the, when, the, when, when God the Father defeats that enemy in your life, now I can move on to fighting other battles, other sin issues. And he has got some. But now I don't have to focus on that no more. I can focus on the next thing he wants to transform my life. Amen? Verse 9, it says, uh, So we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive through God, through Christ Jesus. This is what I'm sharing, what I'm talking about. We have to see ourselves as dead to sin and alive in Christ, free, free to choose. Uh, verse 13, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. Someone say new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Be an instrument of righteousness. Y'all, we just, we just sell our bodies and sell ourselves short for the world to use, abuse, control us. And when you're kicked down and you're down at the bottom and you're at the pig pen, the prodigal son, uh, the world says, oh man, well, you, that was stupid, you messed up. Sin wants to control you. God wants to give you a choice and lead you. And, and see, we buy the lie somewhere. We think if I live for God, I can't have no fun. If I live for God, he's, he's going to control and dictate my life. It's backwards, y'all. Sin will kill you. God wants to give you life and life more abundant. I don't want something lording over my life making me do this thing that I hate. What did Paul say? I continue to do the thing that I don't want to do, but I do the thing that I don't want to do. That's the IWTV, in Westbrook translated version. But when we fully surrender our heart to God, man, he gives you the choice to be free. He liberates us. Romans 8, 13, here it is. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There's the choice. Live by your flesh. Do what it says it wants to do, and that's, that's the battle. See, the thing is, I have the Spirit of God alive inside of me, but I'm not in heaven yet, in my heavenly form, so I have this flesh I have to deal with. And, and Ian wants to do these things because they feel good and they, they taste good and they look good. And I struggle with emotions and I struggle with my mind, but the Spirit of God says, if you do that, you will die. Spiritually, you will die, and you will also one day physically die and have to answer to the choices that you made. But, there's a but, there's a holy but. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So this is how we crucify our flesh, with Him. We have to put to death those things that the Holy Spirit has shown you is sin in your life. You know how the Bible defines sin? It is to do the thing that you know you should not do. It's that simple. See, we want to categorize sin and put levels on sin. So-and-so slept with so-and-so. They weren't married, so, like, they sinned. But I just uh, fudged on my fast a little bit. I had some chocolate, so I didn't really sin. You know, God sees sin from above. He don't see levels. He just sees sin. 
so we can choose to live or die. We've got to put it to death. Let's look at that next point. So this process that we're talking about, this process of transformation is a threefold uh, process. We receive the revelation of Christ. We repent of our sinful thinking and we are renewed in our minds. Then we crucify our flesh in light of the revelation that we have received. So that's how it works, all together. And as long as we do all three of these together in harmony, God will transform us. You can do one without the other, but you're not going to be able to get where God really wants you to go if you don't do all three of these things together. God can do some good through you, but if you really want all that God's got for you, you got to do all three of these things together. And I challenged us last week, you know, after this fast ends, pray about it. Ask him what, what, it, what it is he wants you to do so that you can continue to carry on this lifestyle of crucifying your flesh. Because I said, I feel like most of us do the first two things. It's the crucifying our flesh that we struggle with, that we forget about. And that's actually the last point I'm going to share with you today is going to be really the key to something that we're all trying to do. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but something that me and Jessica have done for a long time, we've kind of got away from it, but we're getting back to it after this fast. Uh, when we were dating and engaged and even married the first couple years, we would always fast on Wednesday for the rest of the year. So one day of the week, I'm crucifying my flesh. And we, we choose Wednesday because that's back when we used to help with the youth. And so we fast for the youth service. And also, most churches have a, a service on Wednesday, so it's kind of that midweek that you kind of hit a wall in your midweek sometimes between Sunday to Sunday, and it's a reminder, a fresh reminder of who, who's king. Amen? So I want to challenge you, after this fast, don't just jump ship and say, woohoo, I made it, I got it. <laughs> and I hope you do make it and that you get it, but know that, that God, we can't just do it once a year and call it, call it good. He calls us to a lifestyle of this. Um, let's look at Col uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 10. It says, uh, Since I have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Someone say realities of heaven. Where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So I have this flesh I have to deal with. And so if God is truly transforming me, when he transforms me, the parts that he's transforming me, we have to start seeing and, and knowing and start setting our sights on the realities of heaven. When I crucify my flesh, I'm setting my sights on the, the promises of heaven. I'm saying, you know what? There's more to my life than just me, my, my feelings, my emotions, my bubble that is whatever my bubble is, my workplace. When I set my sights on the things of heaven, I say, you know what? This life is going to die and pass away and be gone one day. And so what I do here matters. I have a purpose. God's purpose and so I have to, that's part of renewing my mind and part of the transformation process. The longer I live with him, the more I need to start thinking about heavenly places, right? 
And the realities of, of, of that day is going to come when, when Jesus is going to say, enter in my good and faithful servant, or he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Based on what I do in this place, with what God has done in my life. The, the longer I live for Jesus, the more that has to become more of a reality. I have to start thinking about that stuff more and more, not just the things that I see, touch, and feel. Just because I can't touch heaven doesn't mean it's not real. And let me say, if, if, if heaven is real, and I hope we've established that it is, that means that hell is just as real. And the place called the lake of fire is real. And so as I set my sights on the reality of heaven, I better, better know that there's a reality of hell. And so it changes the way that I live. It changes the way that I speak. It changes the way that I love. It changes the way that I receive God, who, who he is in his word in my life. Uh, sorry to cut there in the middle. Go, look at verse 4. It says, and so when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. They're not worth it. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things. Someone say used to. When your life was still a part of this world. Before you come to know Christ, we were just controlled, dictated, operated by our flesh, what I wanted to do, I might recognize it as wrong, but it, until Christ comes in my life and shows me that that is sin, it really doesn't change my mind because he hasn't changed my heart on, on these issues. But so at verse 7, it says, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Now that I've accepted Jesus into my life, I'm from heavenly places living in the world. I'm saved, redeemed, set free. I'm going to heaven because I got my sights set on the realities of heaven because my king, who is King Jesus, is king of heaven. And so I, I, I'm not from the world. I'm from heaven, living in the world. And if we see ourselves that way, guess what happens? Heaven comes to earth. If we're all from heaven, anybody? Living in the world. Heaven comes to earth. And so God transforms us. Uh, verse 10, it says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I had an old nature. It was do what I want, when I want, how I want, no matter what. Don't, if it hurts somebody, I don't care. The new nature of Christ is live in love, forgive. Show mercy. Show compassion. God loves us right where we're at, right? So we need to love others right where they're at to help cultivate them, to get them to where God wants them to go. Our new nature must be transformed. We have to live a transformed life in the world. And here's the cool thing. Let's look at that last point. Something maybe you didn't know. This is the, the little twist I want to give us today. When, when, when we're transformed, God transforms others. We're talking about God bringing uh, the kingdom of heaven to the earth through us. And so crucifixion not only brings transformation, but it's the secret. Someone say secret. 
to multiplication and reproduction of the kingdom of God. Because when God transforms me, others get transformed. Because I die, God lives. And when God lives, his life is reproduced. When I say, I'm going to die with you today, God, so that your life can live inside of me, then the reproduction, the, uh, the growth of the kingdom of God is, is then reproduced through me. If I don't die to myself, all I reproduce is sinful Ian. I may say I have some good in me, but I, I really don't. You don't want to know me without Jesus. Here's the cool thing. Eight years ago, when I was still addicted, almost dead, to alcohol, jobless, homeless, a couple pairs of clothes. I didn't even care. If you were going to give me money, I didn't want to eat. I would want money to go buy more alcohol. I crucified my flesh with him so that he could transform me. And not only did he transform me, which I'm so thankful for, but now I get to preach and teach twice every Sunday. And because he's transformed me, now others get to experience who God is and are transformed. Are you seeing what I'm saying? When God transforms you, don't hide it. It's not just for you. It, he, he wants to do it and bless you, but it's bigger. He sees bigger. His vision for your life is bigger than you ever thought. And, and, and here's the thing. The world recognizes authenticity. We said last week we need to just stop trying to be like Christians and acting like Christians and looking like Christians and talking like Christians. We need to just be Christians. We're struggling with trying, trying, trying. It's wearing me out. Has anybody met someone who just loves the Lord? And when you're around them, you experience their peace. And they're always in their quiet time. They do it, and so they always have a word for you. And they love on you. We have some folks like that in our church. But what happened? You recognize the authenticity of who they are, right? The Christ in them. The world responds to that. And so as we're trying to win believers... Uh, win back believers who maybe straight away or even non-believers, if, if you are authentic in what God has done in you, it'll preach itself. It'll teach itself to them. And, and when, when you're authentic, the world recognizes it. They begin to question what they really think, what they really feel, what they really believe, and maybe they'll actually look and seek out Jesus who he really is for themselves. And here's the thing I got to say. The world, 99% of it probably, even non-believers, they wouldn't argue if they read who Jesus is in the Gospels. And they would not argue with you and say, they would probably say, dude, that dude is the dude. He's that good. But now here's the thing. The world does argue and fuss about the fake people that present the real Jesus. Because we hate hypocrites, right? The world hates hypocrites. The church hates hypocrites. Jesus hated hypocrites. <laughs> and so we have to, what he's done in your life has to be that real. Has to be that authentic. And when it is, the kingdom of God is reproduced. You're transformed, the world's transformed, God wins.
Haley, you want to make your way? Start making your way. I got one more uh, scripture that I want to share with us before we go on enter into one last song of worship. And so this is, this is Jesus speaking to us right before he's getting ready to get offered up, right? Go to the cross. And he's explaining to his disciples why he has to go. And, and, and the, the parable that he uses is, is pretty profound relating to the statement that we just made, that the secret of, of transformation is the multiplication and reproduction. Because Jesus, there verse 23 says, answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. If it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. The only way more wheat can be grown is for it to first die and go in the ground so that more wheat can come forth. Jesus is saying, in order for the kingdom of God to continue to grow and flourish on the earth, I must go be offered up to die so that I can raise again, be resurrected to life again, and all those who believe in me, confess in me, will be transformed, the world will be better, and the kingdom will be unleashed. And ever since that happened, over 2,000 years ago, this is still the number one selling book in the entire world. And what did John say at the end of it? He said, there's not enough libraries on the world for me to put every story of what Jesus has done. Because it can't contain the goodness of God. And so here's the secret to your life. The secret to your life is death. You have to die. Here's the thing. We all like tell ourselves, we all think somehow like, death just ain't going to happen to me. <laughs> I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to escape that thing. The secret to your life is death. We have a purpose. You know what, I just turned 34 years old and I, the older I get, the faster time goes. I don't know where it's went. And we're pregnant, about to have our first child and life's probably really going to start going even faster. But the secret of my life is knowing that I am, yes, going to die one day. I have the life of the baton, the baton of life in my hand. Not just my life, I have the life of Christ because I've accepted him. What am I going to do with that baton? As I'm here. That's the secret. And when I do that, when I live for him, I have more joy. I have more peace. I walk in love. And knowing that I am going to die one day, now I have peace. Because I'm set on, on the realities of heaven. Ian's body will die, but Ian's spirit will live. Now that's peace. Anyone who's experienced loss in your life, knowing that someone you love has died and gone and it's so much better when you know that they've accepted Jesus and you know that their, their spirit is in a safe place. And so here's the last thing that I want to leave you with. If I could summarize this whole series as we close this out today, if there's anything I want to leave you with, write this down. Crucifying, as we're talking about crucifying our flesh, crucifying my flesh means that I love God's life more than my own. 
We've been talking about crucifying our flesh all morning. That's literally all it means. When I crucify my flesh, I say, God, I love your life, the life that you have to offer more than I love my own. And that's all it is. If you can do that, he can transform you. If you can do that, you can have love and, and joy and peace and all these things we're talking about. Amen. Can we get the lights dimmed down? Get ready to close. I want to ask us all to just bow our heads and, and close our eyes and just get into his presence. I want you to press into him this morning. And I hope and pray that the Lord spoke something to you this morning, shined a light, revealed something new in your life. And I just want to encourage you and challenge you. As I said, we're on day 15 of our fast. We're over halfway, but we're not quite done. As we're, as we're getting closer to being done, I want you to, to crank it into the next gear. I want us to finish strong. You don't ever hold out on the last lap. You give it everything that you have as you come across the finish line. And God sees us and sees our sacrifices and blesses that and meets us there when we do it with him. And so I want you to press into him like you, like you haven't yet this fast, this next week, this last week. I want you to read your word like you haven't yet this fast, this week. I want you to cry out to him for the thing you're praying for and believing for as we fast like you haven't yet this week. And I want you to crucify your flesh this week like you have yet to crucify your flesh. And remind it who's king for his glory so that his life lives and not ours. Amen. If you're here this morning and we're talking about being transformed and all this crazy stuff and you've never accepted Christ in your life, you've never said, you know what? Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to come into my heart. I need you to transform my life. I've tried everything. I've tried doing it on my own. I'm miserable. I'm angry and frustrated. I'm depressed. And God's been speaking to you this morning and, and you want to change your life. We call it being born again or getting saved. And if that's you, I want you to do something this morning. I want you just to stand up right now where you're at. To stand up for him. And I know that can be intimidating and kind of scary sometimes, standing up in a, a room full of people. Everyone's praying. I guarantee they've got their eyes closed. They're not thinking about you. They're not looking at you. This is between you and you and God. And I ask you to stand because Jesus went to the cross for you. And if he laid it all on the cross for you, you can, if he's speaking to you right now, the least you can do is stand for him. Right? So if you want to do that today, I'm giving you this moment, a few more moments. Don't let today pass you by. Please. Heaven will rejoice, and trust me, this church will rejoice if you stand for him today. Hallelujah. Amen.